Welcome to Momentum Church. I don't know about y'all, there's times in my life where I did, though, I felt very alone. Anyone in here? You ever felt alone? Maybe even right now, you feel alone, and, and you're going through some of the hardest times in your life, and you feel completely isolated. I mean, you could be in a room full of people, but you just feel like you are on an island all to yourself. Maybe that tough situation that you're going through, and truthfully, you do. You look around, and it's like there's nobody around. It's not just a figment of your imagination. For some reason, you are very isolated. Maybe, maybe you're here today, and when I said, stand up, turn around, give somebody a high five, you were like, don't leave me hanging. Somebody's leaving me hanging over here. You know, it's like, like I don't want to be a church where we leave anybody. You know what I'm saying? Like, if somebody wants a high five, let's give them a high five, right? I mean that metaphorically. If somebody needs a lift, let's be a place that we're the right kind of people to journey with them. Amen? And so we go through things in life that are negative, and sometimes we do that in isolation. Sometimes we do it when things are positive. And it's like, man, who am I going to call? I just don't feel like I have that connection. Like, I really want to call somebody other than my mama and celebrate what happened at work today. And you're just like, ah, who? Who do I call, you know? And so what I want to look at is this, because you might be in that room full of people and feel completely isolated, whether it's good things to say or bad things to say. Here's what I want you to understand. God desires for you to never stand alone, period. Some of you, that put a lump in your throat. Pastor, I feel like I've stood alone a long time. That's not God's intention. That's not God's desire. You should never be on the road called the journey of life alone in the vehicle. Amen? Amen? You shouldn't. You see, the reason why is because God created us with a desire to be connected. In fact, that's our main thought for today, how God has created us. And I want you to get this. We'll put this on the screen. We're created for connection. That's how God made you. It's not good for man to be alone, and so he made woman, you know? It's not good for us to go through life alone because God created us for connection, but like a vehicle sliding through a corner, we drift towards isolation. Tension comes and we become isolated. Struggles come and we start to pull away. New environments come and we find ourselves in a corner, kind of like just reading the room, you know? We drift towards isolation. It's common that we see this in our lives. Even though God created us with this ability to connect and this need to connect, often we fail to connect. And when that creation of God, when he created us to connect, he created us to not only connect with other people, first, obviously, he created us to connect with him. That's the first and primary connection. We'll get to that in a second. But then with each other, and then in today's world, that connection with each other gets challenged. And as I said, and I'll say this a few times today, because that's the main thing I want you to leave with, that we're created for connection, but we drift towards isolation. And so if you're here as a guest today, if you've been here a long time, I want you to hear something from the pastor of this church. I want you to hear this from my heart, all right? I want you to know today that you are a part of not only his church. That's the ideal thing. That's the first thing. But you're a part of this church. 
Look to the left, look to the right, look around. This is your family. This is yours on the journey. Now, for some, they are here, but they stay disconnected. But I want you to hear, though, there is a place for you to have connection. There's a place for you to not be isolated. It's almost like an incubator. It's a place for you to practice, if you will, connection. Amen? It's a neat environment for that that then gets played out in our, our whole lives. And so you, in this moment, first day, forward, you know, your family. So in this moment, you are part of this church. And here's the neat thing about connection. God is building a church. He's building his church, but that church isn't a building, it's a people, amen? And then his global church, he builds local churches, and then in the city of Woodstock, Canton, etc., he builds a ch- this church, but it's not a building, it's not brick and four walls, it's people, it's y'all that he wants to have connected, that together builds into a holy habitation of the presence and power of God. A holy habitation where you have people that can get your back. And you're like, yeah, I want people to get my back, Ross, but you don't understand. I've been in church a long time, and they get my back with a knife in it. And that's true at times. And it breaks my heart that nothing hurts worse than church hurts. I was there once. I'm not going back. I'm going to keep my arms. I'm going to listen to the preaching. That alley and that Corey, man, I tell you, they can sing, bring it, Brandon. All, I mean, I'm going to enjoy the worship. I'm going to get some child care. I'm going to go home. We don't do child care. We do ministry, but I'm just saying that mindset. I get some free time away from the kids for a minute, and we just, I'm not opening myself to pain anymore. We're created for connection, but we drift toward isolation. And what I love about how God, when he begins to build a church, let's stand to our feet. Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to read the word. When he begins to build a church, and I will specifically say as he builds momentum church, this is a place where it doesn't matter what your background is. Amen. It doesn't matter what your past looks like. It doesn't matter what you're going through right now. It doesn't matter color of skin, social status, whatever. It doesn't matter. You belong here because God created you for connection. And I'm trusting and believing that together we can fight the drift into isolation. Together we can stay connected as God would build his house, his church, and a movement of people watching out for each other. Amen? So here's what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, and I use the message. It says, you are no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name of Christ as anyone. That means you have power in here, amen? I just got saved yesterday. All right, you got saved yesterday. The power of the Holy Spirit lives in you. You have power, amen? I love that. God is building a home, and he's using all of us. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. Now he is using you. Fitting brick by brick. You ready for this? Stone by stone, which Christ Jesus is the cornerstone. Man, that's it right there. God's putting people together. A house built with lively stones, And it says in the scriptures. That's what God's doing. And we're created for conflict, but we drift towards Let's say it again. We're created for conflict, but we drift. I say conflict. We're created for connection. You're like, that's how my connections are. (laughs) We're created for connection, but we drift toward isolation. You say isolation. 
There we go. You can have your seat. Man, this whole series is recalculating, and this whole series, I cannot help myself but to say recalibrating. How many's noticed that? My staff has been driving them crazy. It drives me crazy. I look at the note, and it says recalculating, and then I listen to it online later on, and I'm like, it, I did it again. I'm saying recalibrate. Well, it is what it is, right? So here's the thing about this idea of connection. Our world kind of causes it to be difficult to connect. Our world is an isolating world. We see this in social media. You post something, and then every couple of minutes you want to see, did I get any hearts? You know, did I get a like button? Did somebody make a comment? You know, and because we're longing for connection with people, so we share our lives, and we're hoping people share their lives with us. But many times what social media does, it drives us toward isolation. It drives us into our, our own minds, and we begin to think and compare, and you begin to look at somebody else's life, and you judge your journey through life based on the road you are on, and those in your vehicle, the ones that you're traveling with, compared to everybody else's highlight reels, and it causes you to feel even more separated, even more. These feelings of comparison, jealousy, envy, or just general FOMO, y'all know what FOMO is, right? fear of missing out, they can drive you in the wrong direction, leaving you feeling more isolated than ever. So as Christ followers, because we're created for connection and our natural inclination is to drift toward isolation, as Christ followers, we have got to fight. Everybody say, fight the drift. We've got to. And that's what we're going to do. Today, we're going to learn how to fight this drift. When you fight the drift, you begin to live the life that God created you to live. And I'm telling you right now, from one that at times has distanced myself and not been connected, this is a fight worth fighting every time. This is a battle that we fight. We have to fight it, but we don't have to fight it alone. We fight together. Amen? We fight with God. That's how we're going to do this. So what we're going to do this today is we're going to look at three ways to recalculate on your journey to fight the drift. It only took me four weeks. Come on, somebody. Three ways to recalculate. So the most important connection you have, if we're going to fight the drift, is your connection with God. Amen? That's how he created you to be able to walk with you, talk with you, and have that experience with him and that relationship with him. The most important connection is that when you surrender literally your life to Jesus, you enter into a relationship with the Heavenly Father. You begin a connection with God. That is the most important connection you're supposed to have. And when you journey with God, guess what? This is the coolest thing ever. He journeys with you. You feel disconnected from God sometimes? Sometimes it's just a season. I get that. We have all, how many ever prayed and felt like the ceiling was brass? But sometimes we're disconnected because we're not pursuing. You know why God showed up in the house last Sunday? Because we made place for him. Because we pursued him. Because we said, Holy Spirit, we want you more than anything to make renewal in our lives today. And God just is like, yes, I've been waiting for this. Let me touch my people, you know? And so when we say, I'm on a journey with you, God just, it's an invitation to him to journey with us. But at times... In the journey, like the Israelites of old, we find ourselves wandering in the wilderness. And you know, those Israelites of old, they, they sure did make a lot of mistakes in their murmuring and their complaining. But did God ever leave them? Was he frustrated? 
Yeah, but he never left them. He was that, that, that fire by day, and that, or that cloud by day, and that fire by night. He didn't leave them. God wants to journey with us. When you're going through challenging situations, God wants to be with you. Don't push him away. Go after him. Go closer to him. Press in to him. When you feel like you're drifting toward isolation, you can fight the drift. And here's how you can do this. I know right now you may feel like you're going through a lot of stuff. But try to remember his faithfulness in your life. If you've been journeying with God any time, I guarantee you there was one time, even if it was just the day you got saved, but there was one time where he was faithful to you. And sometimes when we go through things in life, we start to isolate from God because we're looking at right now because we're finite in our minds and in our time frame right now, like I want it fixed today, you know? And when that doesn't happen, I feel upset and angry and frustrated. So I back away sometimes from God. Well, no, but if I look back over the years, ah, and I remember God's faithfulness, it draws me close to God, even in the midst of those hard times. God, I don't know what you're doing right now, but I sure did see you work last year. I don't know what you're doing right now. My finance is this or whatever's going on, my health right now, this. But man, I remember when you healed me. And I'll say some specific things. I'm going through something right now, people. I, I wasn't planning on saying this, but your pastor has spent a lot of time since I was probably about 10 years old in the woods. And your pastor found out this week I have Lyme's disease. It happens, right? So the odds are, right? But, but you know what? A lot of crazy things have happened in my life the last month since, since it's all started breaking out. But I can remember a time when I was 25 years old in a church service, and pastor was preaching, and he burned incense as an illustration, and that incense, man, it caught my, my asthma, and I couldn't breathe. I looked over at Nancy, our admin. I said, if I fall down, I'm not slain in the spirit. That's what I told her. I said, if I fall down, check on me. I'm not getting touched by God over there, you know. I couldn't breathe. I didn't say, so after church, I talked to pastor. I'm like, you ever burn incense in this place again? I'll quit, you know. He gets guys around to pray for me, lay hands on me. And guess what? Within 10 minutes, that asthma attack was gone. And I have not had an asthma attack ever since. Amen. Now, I don't know why he didn't fix the rest of the allergies that cats give me. Maybe just so I can have lots of great cat anger illustrations and, and stuff. I don't know. But, or maybe because God doesn't like cats. I don't know. But, <laughs> I'm sorry. But yeah, so whatever I'm going through right now, you know? I mean, like, and it's just weird how this thing works. But, but whatever it is, I'm like, God, I know you've been faithful. I'm looking back going, you got me through. I don't want to understand I went deaf. But you know what? I'm robo-pastor. I got some, I, I, I'm like the Borg, you know? And with this new device, I can hear phone calls in my head, my TV in my head, Amy on the microphone, I told you that story, in my head. It's fantastic. I feel sorry for all y'all capable people. <laughs> But what I'm saying is just you remind yourself. That's how you do that. When you start drifting from and isolating yourself from him, begin to remind yourself of his promises. Joshua and the Israelites were on the road, on the road trip to the, the promised land, to this land that is flowing with milk and honey. And God always wanted them to make a memorial, something that they could look back and remember the promises of God. And so he basically said, you've been drifting all this time, but I've got you here. 40 years but you're here. And so finally, 40 years after the beginning of their journey, they're standing at the banks of the Jordan River. Promised land is just on the other shore. And, and they're about ready to cross. 
And, and all they have to do is walk in and take the promise that God has given them. And God tells Joshua to do something significant as a way of remembering. Because I think God knew there's going to come a time when the people's hearts are going to turn towards sin. And they're going to forget. There's going to come a time when they're going to feel God's been unjust. And they're going to forget. And so God wanted them to create something, a memorial, to always remember his faithfulness in the wilderness and his faithfulness to give them this promised land. He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take 12 stones out of the river. And I want you to place them as a memorial to remember my faithfulness. To remember that I delivered you. To remember that I am the God who journeyed with you through all these days. Joshua 4, 21. And those 12 stones, which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall set, let your children know, Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. You put those stones of remembrance so that when you're struggling, you can look back so that your children can look back and remember, I have been faithful. And God would want you to know today, he is faithful to forgive you. Amen. He's faithful to take you and like a stone, you may not feel like much, but to place you like a stone of memorial, to place you building the, 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 on the foundation of the chief cornerstone, Jesus, to place you in his church so that you and so that others, people seeing what he's building is a memorial to his faithfulness. That's what the church is. Think about that. The church shouldn't survive. All the different personalities, all the different backgrounds, contentions. I mean, good night. Church shouldn't be able to survive. But no, it's a memorial of the faithfulness of God when people submit themselves to him and to each other in mutual submission. It's a powerful thing. So God is building his church stone by stone. And that's you and that's me. And together, he is building a church. Why? Because you were created for connection, period. Yet we drift toward, yeah, we drift toward isolation. And so if we're going to fight the drift, I, I want to I be able to just think about something real quick with that. Sometimes it's hard to fight the drift, especially for away from God, because we forget his faithfulness. It's hard to remember his faithfulness for what we're experiencing now. In fact, we talked about the stones being a memorial, but right now there's people in this room where you have stones too, but you're carrying them in life. It's, not, it's, it's like you've forgotten how faithful God was, and, and these stones are weighing you down, carrying these stones of painful moments where you feel like he wasn't faithful. You look back and you wonder, where has he been? And you carry a load. Rather than taking those stones and building with it, you just carry them. Just carry them. You know? We forget about the faithfulness of God. And so we carry stones like guilt and shame. And that causes us to further isolate from God and others. We carry stones like anger and frustration. And that causes us to drift toward isolation. Stones like discouragement and distrust. And that causes us to drift toward isolation. Maybe it's a pain that you've been holding on to, and that's your stone. 
And you, 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 you want to look back, but you struggle to look back and see God's faithfulness. Do you know what you need to do at that time? When it's hard to see God's faithfulness, you need to do the next thing to recalculate for connection. The next thing that you need to do when it's hard to see God's faithfulness, number two, you need to rely on God's people. Because Jesus got some skin on him, amen? I love that. You know, Jesus, he inhabits God's people, you, his people, through the Holy Spirit. But you are the, the incarnate, in a sense, flesh of Jesus in the earth. And so sometimes it's hard to, to, to remember and reflect on God's faithfulness. But when I can have some connection with God's people and I can learn to rely on them in those moments, it's a powerful thing. We all need somebody in our lives, amen? Everybody at some point needs somebody. I want to say it this way. Everybody needs somebody. You need somebody that you can vent to, amen? You need somebody that you can word vomit on. Sometimes you'll, you'll have a friend like that, and all of a sudden it's just like, you feel like you've been in Ghostbusters or something. And, then, and they'll even go, oh my gosh, I'm sorry I dropped all that on you. Man, what a... Thank you for feeling you could share that and get that off your heart, you know? Give me a towel, somebody. You know, it's like, but it's important to have those people in your life. You need somebody that won't always just judge you, but you do need somebody that has good judgment. Amen? They'll call some stuff out in your life. I'm not saying that they're judging you. They just have good judgment, and they're speaking truth. Amen? See, it's not about having people in your life on the journey. It's about having the right people in your life on the journey. And those are people that you have learned and can learn to rely upon. People who will help you remember the faithfulness of God. You need someone to be able to lean on, but that person needs to be like the right kind of person. And sometimes we do have relationships that we realize, yeah, this isn't quite the right kind of relationship. And so... It's so important to have connection. And I heard a, a quote recently when it comes to having the right connections and how powerful that is. Do you guys know what the opposite of addiction is? You'd think sobriety, right? You have addiction and you have sobriety. And it's not. What I heard was the opposite of addiction is connection. If you have connection in your life, that's why people go to AA meetings, you know? That, that's why people have groups and various things that they connect with. There's something about connection that will cause you to live at another level. Amy, right now, I'm so proud of you, baby. She is the cutest pastor on staff. <laughs> then Pastor Adelie. And then Pastor Brantley. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but she's hosting right now a parents class. I think like almost 20. I, mean, I don't want to pastor evangelistically speaking, you know how we do. But I think it's close to 20 people meeting. and just. But that's becoming something where those connections are pulling the best out of each other. Being isolated at home, being frustrated with, with family and kids and raising a husband. <laughs> It's like, it's like, that's no fun. But like coming together, you realize, man, we're all doing this. All these ladies are raising husbands, right? So, yeah, but it's getting connection to the right people. And that's what they're doing in that class. You know, they're on the road and they're going in the same direction. Some of you here today, there's a relationship that may not be the right connection. And you might need to unfollow. You might need to block. That's heavy, isn't it? Who knows? But you need the right people in the car with you. Proverbs 14, 7 says, stay away from fools. 
for you won't find knowledge on their lips. Now, you need some wise people, and if they're not wise yet, at least they're going in the direction of wisdom. Amen? They're going toward the things of God. They're going toward where you should be leading, um, aiming and pointing toward as well. And so here's the thing. How do you find the right people? As a church, if you're a part of Momentum Church, here are three ways that you can actually find the right people in your life. Number one, get serving. All oh, this is just so they can get volunteers. No. No. It's so you can get connected and not be isolated. I personally believe, and y'all know, when I first started this church, people have been here 15 plus years, 13 plus years. I used to say this a lot of times. I'd be like, a Christian is a serving believer. Like, like, like that, that is what Christians do. And I would say, I would say, if you don't want to serve, you can go to First Baptist. They got lots of seats. And my wife would say to me, do you want anybody to stay? And I'd say, yes, those who want to serve. <laughs> True. I've matured a lot. I've matured a lot. But the thing was, I had, I had just such a passion that everybody should be about what God's doing together, building his kingdom, not Ross's kingdom, not your kingdom as far as I go to Momentum Church. Look what all we do. No, just God's house, helping connect with people. But the thing that's so neat about this, it's kind of like when you invite God on the journey, he shows up. It's the same way. When you begin to serve, guess what shows up? Connection. Some of the greatest connections in this church are people that have just got together, traveling in the same direction on a ministry team, and they're there for each other. You know? And so I want to encourage you to serve. That's one way that you can connect. And you don't know the relationships God will build from that. Brian chose one of my closest friends, and I remember the first Sunday he visited, middle of the next week, I call him up. Hey, what are you doing Sunday? Who is this? It's Pastor Ross. You mean from the church I just visited? <laughs> he didn't say that, but that's what he was thinking. I'm like, yeah, hey, at 6 o'clock, we're going to be, or 6.30, I think it was, we're going to be meeting at the movie theater to set up church. You want to come and help? We can all hang out together. And he closes the phone, says to Christy, like, the pastor, he wants me to come and help set up. And she goes, well, are you doing anything? No. Well, then go. Okay. My wife said to come. No. No. No, but he just said, see, he just said, you know, see, I don't know if Brian's, oh, look, Christy's here. So, so he came. I mean, <clears throat> a man I'd whoop you over. I'm serious. A man I love, a man like a brother. And there's many other brothers in this room I feel that way about. But you know why? Because we got shoulder to shoulder about going in the same direction. And next thing you know, we're not just schlepping staging at a movie theater. We're not just putting up speakers and cafes at a movie theater. We're not just building, literally, a, a church building over on 92, gutting the building out and coming in every night and every weekend, building for like six months. No, no. Next thing you know, we're becoming bosom friends, brothers, like, like tight to where if I'm going something through something, I can talk to my friends about that. If they're going through something, they can. But you know where it started? Serving shoulder to shoulder at Momentum Church. Never expecting God would take that service of, with the fellow believer and turn those believers into my brothers. Amen? Yeah. Number two, get into a journey group. Well, I'm looking... I, Start a journey group. 
Literally, it takes two, three people. That's it. We'll help you. Pastor Bradley will work with you and show you how to have a little small group every week. But get into a journey group. Weekly growth. I've had my same journey group started probably 10, 12 years ago with a bunch of guys. And then we birthed groups out of that. And then it ended up with me in a group. And, and I've been with that group maybe six, seven, eight years. I don't know how long. Long time. And again, people that I can share my heart with and vice versa. People with good judgment sometimes. But most of the time, and I can challenge them, men like that, you know, get into a journey group. And I want to read something. Where'd my phone go? This came to us this week. This was so appropriate. Somebody filled in a, a story of hope. And you can do that anytime if you want to testify what God is doing. All right, doing good on time. My story of hope, it's a female. She starts with, starts with my small group. You often hear the pastors at Moment, Momentum say how valuable being part of a small group can be. They know what they're talking about, exclamation mark. Well, of course we do. <laughs> Last spring, I was in a small group that did a study on healing trauma. I almost didn't participate because I didn't think I had experienced trauma in my life. I thought trauma was only what we came to to call capital T trauma. The horrific events and atrocities that are in the headlines. It turns out that is not the case. She learned during this small group. We have all experienced little traumas throughout our lives. There are events that hurt us emotionally or spiritually and bear bad fruit. Many of them happen during childhood when we don't have the maturity or skills to properly process them. In response to these hurts, we try to protect ourselves. We put layers around our hearts so that we won't get hurt again. Over time, all these layers change us. They cause us to become someone different. They take us away from the person God originally designed us to be. Healing trauma is about healing those hurts, peeling away the layers around your heart, and being restored to your original design. For me, one of the most transformative and lightning concepts from the study was restoring to original design. It's not self-improvement, changing yourself, or becoming the best version of yourself. It's not saying that there's something wrong with you that needs to be fixed. It's taking away the layers and breaking the chains that held you back in order for the true you to shine through. It's being restored to God's original design for you. Man, doesn't it sound like it was pretty awesome that she got to that journey group? I mean, it's changing things in her life. And we'll get back to her story in a second. So that's, that's that, that third part, the, the second thing. So get serving, get into a journey group. And here's another way to find people in your life. Get real. Just get real. Nobody wants a fake, right? I'm not saying you have to tell all your laundry, but just start to live connected and get real. Be honest with your troubles. She said, how do you get there? Prayer, forgiveness, prayer, repentance, prayer. Emotionally and spiritually, it can be hard work. You examine some dark corners in your life that are very uncomfortable to look at, but it's worth it. Healing from trauma and restoring to original design will look different for everyone, but it has a lot to do with self-confidence, with overcoming the fears of judgment and rejection. I, it truly is understanding and believing that I am who I am for a reason. It's knowing that who I am has a purpose, God's purpose. In order to be obedient, I need to fully embrace and embody who I am. I feel different now. I'm more at peace. I'm more confident. I'm more joyful. Something that's amazing to me is that other people see it too. Watch this. In the past couple of months, three different people that are close to me and I've known for years have told me that I seem more confident and, I, and, and it's ease with myself. Other people are watching her because she's being real. She's being open. It's telling that story of what God is doing. This is my story of hope. Trauma I didn't even know I had has been healed. God and friends are guiding me on this path to God's original design for me. I'm hopeful 
and joyful to see what's, what healing is next. Here's the best part. God has this journey, this healing and restoration available for all of us. It can be your story of hope too. Come on, somebody. Give God some praise. Amen. I love it. And so you can see that, that group, there's connection with God, there's connection with each other. She's being inspired. Others are being inspired. That's what it looks like. But we've got to be honest with who we are. Don't pretend like you got it all together, you know? Just be real. Created for connection, but we drift toward... Yeah. Final thing, I told you there are three keys. We've seen how remembering the faithfulness of God keeps us connected to Him. We've seen how relying on God's people, connecting to people makes a difference. The third thing is dealing with this story, this idea of, of, of being real and open. The third thing is release the power of your story. Release the power of your story. Because everybody needs God, right? Everybody needs somebody. And somebody needs you. Let me say it again. Everybody needs God. Everybody needs somebody. You need somebody. Guess what? Somebody needs you. That's how we fight the drift. We're there for others. Not just there for others for ourselves. That's just a byproduct of that. We're there for others. So somebody needs you. And they need you. And you're not just another stone, you know. You have a story and your story has power. Your stone, in a sense, is a story that has power. God uses it to fit into people's lives and to help build others. And when I think of Scripture, and I'm going to close with this, my mind goes to David and Goliath. And just that idea that he had five smooth stones. Old Goliath was via, like defying the nation of Israel, challenging everybody to a fight. Who's going to come fight me? Send your best. Nobody's willing to go forward. David, that young, probably teenage shepherd boy, shows up on the scene. He's not liking what he's hearing, you know. And so he's going to, you Philistine dog, you know. You come at me with sword and spear, but I come at you in the name of him. That's so good. And he goes over to a river and he picks up five smooth stones, five smooth stones to go after this fellow. And he declares victory. He literally hits him with one stone, walks over, chops Goliath's head off, and declares victory over the enemy of his people. And this is what's neat. Listen, this is all of us working together. Goliath wasn't David's personal giant. Do you know that? He wasn't defining David. He was defining David's people and David's God. I love that. He, so, so he was coming to fight that, that giant that wasn't just his personal giant, I mean, he, he embraced it as his personal giant, but that man was already talking when he showed up on the scene. It's kind of like the person causing issues or the issue causing issues with your friend who when you show up on the scene, you have a connection there, right? You see, when you're my people, um, um, your giant becomes my giant, right? That's how it feels in the small groups. That's how it feels on ministry teams. Like, like your giant, the thing you're facing, that's my giant. And your story has power in the midst of that to help slay their giant. It's like a stone your story is. It can help to slay the giants in other people's lives. You know how it is when stones are in a river? 
You know, at first, they start to get knocked around, and they get little sharp edges and jagged edges, and that's kind of how pain is in our life. You've experienced pain throughout your life. Maybe it was the divorce that almost broke you. You know, maybe it was, was addiction that took you almost down, or the abandonment of someone, or the loss of a child, but it's like jagged little pieces of stone that have just beat on, or just cut at you, but over time... God begins to heal that. Nobody else can see that healing sometimes. It takes a long time. But God begins to heal that. And that, that little jagged stone gets wedged somewhere in the river, and the waterfall or the water cascading over it, pushing sand against it like sandpaper, begins to smooth that stone out. Guys, that's your story. It took time, but the jagged edges of your story that hurt so bad at one time, now it's like, God, I see you. You were faithful. You got me through. And now you can be like David with that stone, that story like a stone. And when another friend is going through something, you have something to offer them because it's your story. If you're real and if you're connected, and you can sling that and give them hope. Amen? That divorce that almost broke you becomes a tool in your life to help others. That addiction that almost took you out becomes something that you can use to pour into some other person's life. The abandonment that you felt Maybe it was your parent that left, and you wonder now, even at times, as, a, as an adult, you feel that pain. But you look back, and you're, you know what? Those edges are smooth. Like, I've seen how God's got me through this. And that becomes a part of your story, and it becomes a stone in your sling. Amen? And so your story has power, and you need to release the power of your story, because perhaps your story could be the stone that takes down someone else's giant. Literally. When you walk with God and you walk with God's people, what he does is he starts to bring opportunities to use your story. It happens all the time, especially in small groups and friends gathering. Your story comes out and it releases the power of your story. And then that releases power of God into the situation they're going through. And they leave with hope and you help take their giants down. Somebody needs to hear that today. Somebody needs to hear that God isn't done with you. And then you need to hear that you're not done being used by him from the stuff you went through, how God's going to use it in other people's lives. He's bringing our stories together and like stones in a sling together, we will defeat our giants. He's bringing our stories together and like stones built upon stones, building his building, building his church, not a church of perfect people, but a people being perfected. And that happens in connection. That happens in small groups and ministry teams and outreach teams, which I guess that's a ministry team as well. I'm, I'm, they're all concluded. But I'm just saying it works together that way. And then you have this opportunity. You're being real. You're living your life. And it just it becomes this thing knitted together, like not knitted, but pieced together like a, a building, like a, a house that gives God glory. Revelations 12, 11, And they have conquered the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of his testimony. Your testimony shared has the power to recalculate you and the one whom you share it with. Yeah, it does. And so the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony, the Bible says that's how we get victory. We know Jesus was the chief cornerstone that everything's built upon. And his shed blood, it gives us that invitation and the connection with God and that power to move forward, to have authority over death, darkness, sin, sickness, disease, all those things, right? And then it says that we also overcome by our witness. That witness is your story. 
It's your story. Your story is a stone that builds your faith as you remember the faithfulness of God in your life. Then when you get real and raw and you share something with others, it becomes a stone that they can build upon too. It's powerful, that idea of that. And I'm not saying every small group is just everybody pouring everything out. That's, no, it's, we're not there for therapy, amen? Although I think therapists are good. But that, I'm just saying those, it's an environment though. When that's needed, Trust starts to be built. When that's needed, openness begins to be built. And God uses that powerfully. And so I want to encourage you to be remembering, to remember that we're not strangers or outsiders. God created us for connection so that we won't drift toward isolation. And he's building us together. Don't be satisfied journeying through life, driving deeper into isolation, but fight the drift and recalculate moving towards how God created you. Do everything you can to recalculate, all right? And so I want to leave you with this last reminder. The difference between where you are and where God wants you to be depends on having the right people in your life. And as a church, over the next few months, we want to give you lots of opportunity, lots of opportunity to connect. You know, we had COVID a couple years ago, and everything was just kind of reeling. Second year of COVID, man, we slayed it, you know? I mean, we just did it. God was so good to us. This last year, we've been doing a lot of infrastructure changes around here. You probably noticed a lot of the remodeling, a lot of things on the property. But now we're getting ready to move into deeper connection and deeper ministry and touch this city, amen? Not just be a church in the city, but it be a church to the city. And that's all of us working together. And so with that, this fall, we're going to create some opportunities that we can just be family, that we can connect, that we can get to know each other. And so today, when you leave, stay for refreshments, all right? Go out there to the new front porch and get a refreshment and, um, and just stay for a little bit. Connect with a couple people. Tonight's membership class, even if you're, if you're not a member, just come here the heart of this place, you know, connect with us. And, um, and maybe the Lord will say, hey, it's time to link arms as a member. Maybe God has a different place for you, and that's fine too. We just want you to know what God's doing here and see if that's a connection, but that's powerful. Get into a small group, find a place to serve. That's always an opportunity, amen? Next month, I don't have all these dates right now in front of me. I think it's the last Sunday of the month. We are going to be having a picnic after church. Everybody can come for the picnic. And then anybody that wants to go hike Pine Mountain, we're going to caravan over and hike Pine Mountain. So it's just an all-church picnic. And we'll talk more about that as it gets closer. And then afterwards, whoever wants to go hike, I think the last church hike we had, about 50 people show up to go hike. It was awesome. And so just making connections. Some of those friendships that took place, I'm thinking of two ladies that one had the, 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 the necessary skills that the other one needed. And the other one had time that the other one needed with help with kids and things like that. And God met, let them meet. And, and they've just been growing in that relationship. You know, so, so it's just connections are important. Amen? And so that's happening. At the end of September, we'll be hosting a dinner on the last Wednesday followed by worship and a powerful time together in God's presence. We'll talk about that as it gets closer. In October, our Align ladies have an event, and later that month, a retreat. At the end of October, we're going to have a blowout harvest party right after church, the Sunday before Halloween. So that's taking place this, this, this year. And then in November, we're hosting an event for men like no other event we've had before. It's going to be awesome. And so we can provide connection points for you, but you can choose isolation. I mean, it's your choice, right? But our choice, our desires provide opportunity for us to connect serving ministry teams and then just some other connection points throughout the year. 
And so I would challenge you to recalculate and to choose better. It's your choice. Choose better. And so the action points for this week, start checking out some journey groups. Or begin to think, can I start a journey group and contact Brantley about what that looks like? If you're looking at the serving ministry teams, start looking at that this week. Contact Pastor Stephanie. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And doesn't mean you have to link up to a team for life. You know, if you don't like it, it, it just be like a like ministry purgatory, not ministry hell. You know what I mean? Like, like you commit six weeks. Like, yeah, no, uh, uh-uh. no, no. Here's the child back. I don't know. I'm kidding. So I, I pray you leave here today remembering the faithfulness of God, and then make decisions to rely on people and release your powerful story. Guess what? When you do that, you will never walk alone again. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.